today is is I mean our birthday and uh, and yeah let's let's give that a cheer yeah one year ago today we had a packed house just like we do today and we celebrated the launch of this thing and now one year later man God has been so faithful and I wanted to do something really fun and different this morning so we're gonna kick off uh, my part of today's uh, service with a um, with a quiz. Uh, you didn't know you were getting a test when you came to church today. Let me say, Jesus is the one grading this test, so uh, it's a joke, okay? Uh, th- this is a quiz, and uh, and I want you to keep score. Uh, well, this is on your honor. Count the ones that you get right, because at the end of this, uh, there's a prize. And I didn't know exactly what do you give as, like, the prize at, at, at the end of a church multiple choice quiz, like, do you get five minutes in next week's message? Like, no, maybe not. That's, do you get to write, like, a church bylaw? Oh, boo, right? Uh, what you get is to choose. There's a dunk take out there. You get to pick one person who gets into that dunk take. Yes, that's pretty good. I'm already in there. Um, and, yeah, no, twice. Uh, if you do not have a person that you want to pick, what you can do is move halfway in closer and take a closer shot at me. And I'm going to talk trash because I'm not worried because you're not going to hit it anyways, right? <laughs> All right, so that's, that's happening. This is the Redeemer Multiple Choice Quiz. Question one, when was Redeemer's actual launch Sunday last year? Was it October 14th, 15th, 16th, or 17th? Got your answer? It was October 16th. <laughs> yep, ne- tomorrow, next year, one day difference. Okay, We got one for some people. Some people are dropping off already. It's okay. Number two, what was the first event that we ever did at Redeemer? Was it the Water Olympics? Did we host a Tough Mudder here? Did we have a sock hop or did we do an Easter egg hunt? Guys got your your answers? The answer is D. We did an Easter egg hunt. It was the very first thing we did here. It was a whole bunch of fun. And we did it again this last year and we'll do it again next year. Number three, which one of these people is Pastor David's twin. The first one, I'm going to tell you, is probably right. (laughs) Yes, David Beckham, that's the right answer. Next question. No, is it this guy? If you come on Tuesday nights and play basketball with us, uh, that that would look like me. No, just kidding. Uh, Number three, which, these are my two brothers. Which one is my twin brother? The one with the curly hair or the one on the right? Is it a trick question? It's the one with the curly hair on the left. That's my twin, Jake. He looks nothing like me, and he needs a haircut so badly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's my brother. How many have three at this point? Just a few? A few? Okay, good. I know there's some two. Okay, number four. Which one of these is not a child of Pastor David? <laughs> is it Jesse? Is it Jeremiah? Is it Joshua? Is it Jonathan? Or is it Jordan? What this means is that four of those are my children, right? It's a stark reality sometimes. See is the answer Joshua. I do not have a Joshua. All the rest are mine. Number five, what kind of animal did we discover in the walls when mucking out Redeemer? Was it a live fish or was it a dead fish? Was it a live snake or was it a dead snake? So we did find a live snake the size of a king crow, cobra, right? Or an earthworm uh, that I was on video. But uh, Actually, in the walls, we found a giant dead snake that was like five feet long. Yeah, Yeah. it was awesome. I'll show you where it was, and maybe we put it, maybe we put it back. No? 
Okay, number six. Which staff member's child w was featured on the homegrown promo video that we, just, that we just showed? Was it Shannon's child? That's my wife. Was it my child? <laughs> if, if the kids mess up, it's always my kids. So Shannon is not the right answer there. I can, you can eliminate that one. Was it Mary Lee's child or was it Nikki, uh, our nursery, our, our children's assistant uh, child? It was Mary Lee's child, right? And yes, yes, okay. Great. And that video, we're going to play it next week, and uh, I invite you to share it on Facebook. I said before when we tried to launch it, let's make Andy famous, right? He did a great, he did an interesting thing to his parents' car there. Who is the best dancer on Redeemer's staff and probably the whole church? Do you guys know, is it, is it Charles? Is it Charles? Oh my goodness! <laughs> you might been hurt, babe. Wow. There we go, Charles. Yes. And he's still going. All right. <laughs> there, good job. Yes. Charles can dance, but if, if anybody thinks they're better, uh, we can do that at the birthday party. So. I'd like to see that. Hey, what's the average number of children that we have on a Sunday, fifth grade and under here at Redeemer? Is it 60, 70, 80, or 90 kids? It is. It's actually between 80 and 90 kids, so C is the right answer. If you, if you, if you put D, you can give yourself credit for that, right? That is a gobs of children, right? So many kids. Nine, how many babies are due at Redeemer this December? None physically born here. That'd be good. And does this include baby Jesus? I don't know. Uh, the answer is C4. We've got four more babies being born to the, what, six that have been born in the last five months or whatever here at Redeemer. It's, it's incredible. It's great. And Ten, what is the name of the gray paint color all around Redeemer? This is a hard one, right? Is it A, amazing gray? Is it B, be thou my Grayson. Is it C, biscuits and gravy? Or D, is it horizon gray? Horizon gray, right? So get this, it's amazing gray. That is the actual name. And we actually had picked a different color, and shame on us. How could we not have known that amazing gray was the right color to paint a church with? But yeah, okay, here's what I'm interested in. Who has, this, this is kind of a hard quiz, who's got five right? There's some hands up. Who's got six right? Seven. Dang, you guys are doing good. Eight. Who was here at the last service and is cheating right now? No. <laughs> so you, did you guys tie? Eight. Okay. You, you win. Oh, you cheated. So did you win, Kristen? Okay. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, both of you guys can pick somebody to get in the dunk tank, right? <laughs> And I, yeah, thank you. Sorry, bud. Uh, yeah, all right, good. That's it. Uh, that is the quiz. That was fun. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Now let me, let me uh, now it's time to get serious. Let me, let me pray before we get into our message for this morning. Lord, I thank you for, uh, I just thank you for this day. And I, I thank you for all that's happened this last year, Lord. And I just thank you for all the things that we can celebrate 
and, and take joy in, Lord. And, and especially today as we step back and consider the things you have done and we, we look at that and then hear your voice as you call us to move forward, Lord. I just pray that we would have hearts that would be open and minds ready to understand and to hear and that we by faith would take the steps forward that we need to, to, to make a true difference in this community for your kingdom. In the name of your son, Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, so there's a scripture that has been on my heart this last week and um, actually had prepared a few weeks ahead and had a different scripture, but uh, but as, as this day drew near, there's this scripture that I just haven't been able to get out of my mind, and it comes from the book of Ephesians, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he started and, and planted in the city of Ephesus. And um, it's interesting, when he writes this letter to the Ephesians, Paul is actually imprisoned. He is um, under house arrest because of his efforts in sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus and planting these churches. There are different uh, groups that, that, are, that have come up against him, and now he finds himself uh, under house arrest writing uh, letters to these churches from, from his own imprisonment. And, and what's interesting when you, when you read the letter is you, you would never know it uh, unless he, he, he tells us, actually, I think it's the sixth chapter that he is in chains. But, but he's so positive and encouraging, and he's got such wonderful uh, things to say that you would never know that he writes this letter from a place where he's being persecuted, where he's suffering. And, uh, and, and it's just this incredible picture, this, th- th- this, this book of God's great confidence in um, in this church that he's built and he's forming and he's sent off into the world. And, and the scripture that's been on my heart are some of its most encouraging verses. Let, let me read them for you. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Have any of you guys heard that scripture before? I see some heads nodding. Uh, if you grew up in church, I imagine that you did, because oftentimes when these words are said, now to him who is able, it's at the end of a worship service, and a pastor is standing at the front saying these words as a blessing over the congregation uh, right, right before they go. And in that sense, it's what we would call a benediction. It's, it's, a, it's a saying of blessing. But actually, what's interesting is that uh, when Paul says this, it's in the middle of the letter, and, and it's not at the end. It's not a final blessing. It, it's actually something that we would call a doxology. And what a doxology is, is like this uh, exclamation of hope and praise and joy that come together and can sometimes spontaneously rise up out of our hearts. Uh, dox, doxology actually can translate directly from its roots doxa and lohia as a glory saying. So a doxology is, 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 is the thing that we say when our hearts soar up high and, and we give thanksgiving and praise. And so like... Um, if you were at a, a choral performance, if you heard an incredible choir sing, 
And at the end of the performance, the, the audience stands up and you stand up and you clap and you cheer. Like that is actually doxology. It's, it's this thanking and praising for what just happened. If, if a dad runs out into the waiting room and announces the name of his brand new s- newborn son that's born that he's been waiting for for nine months, like his joy and his praise there, and in a sense, is doxology. When Jose Altuve rounds third base, right, and comes into home and is safe, and, and the Astros cheer and, and they have a, uh, you know, they walk off and win, like, and we're all elated. That's doxology. It's this incredible moment of, uh, of, of praise and thanksgiving and joy and happiness. And this is what Paul is doing here in those verses. He's experiencing one of those moments. His heart is soaring when he writes this scripture. And so what it, what it asks, what it, what it leads me to ask is, what was, what was Paul thinking about? What was going on in his mind when he wrote this doxology? And, uh, and, and if you go a few verses back and, and see what he's been talking about, n- not a huge surprise here, but Paul's been talking about the love of God. He is wanting these Ephesians to understand and to grasp and to take joy in, in this incredible love of God that, that has changed their lives and, and honestly has changed Paul's life. He is probably having his heart sore because this is a story that he personally knows. The man Paul who wrote this letter was before the man named Saul. And if you were here last week, I shared about the stoning of the first Christian martyr in the book of Acts, a guy named Stephen. And when Stephen uh, had been killed, uh, standing over his dead body was the, the Saul, the man who later goes on to write this letter to these Ephesians. Paul, th- this is a man who looked with pleasure on the death of, of a Christian, the, the first Christian, who, whose heart was so hardened and angry towards what God was doing that he was willing to kill people. And, uh, and, and so Paul has, goes through this incredible transformation, knowing that this is who he was and this is what was going on in his life. And now he is leading the church in, in, in sharing this incredible news about Jesus. And so if anybody knows the forgiveness and the love of God, it's Paul. And so as he's sharing it, he's reflecting on his own life and saying, I, I really want you to, to, to understand this, to grasp how great is God's love. And in verse 17, just a few before this, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, in that love that he's thinking about, may have power together with all the Lord's people, all the church, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's what, that's what he's been thinking about. That's what he wants these Ephesians to remember and to understand. And let me step back here for a second, especially on our first birthday, and we think about why we're, we exist, what we're doing here, what, why Redeemer has a place here in this community. And let me tell you, I, I think it's it's this verse. It's to help people grasp the love of God. God did an absolutely incredible thing, uh, unprecedented, the most important thing that's ever happened when, when, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and then rose from the grave. And so we exist to help people understand the love of God and the forgiveness and the hope and the new life that's offered through that act. And, and, and it's not only that, that we would grasp it, like Paul says, that we would grasp the depth of it, but that also we would learn to build our lives on it. He says, being rooted and established in that love, that we would put down our roots 
in what God did in Jesus and then learn to live that life. That's, that's the role and the goal of the church. Paul's prayer is our mission, that we would be able to share that love and that we would be able to help people build their lives in that love. That's why we started Redeemer one year ago. But, but as relevant as that is, this isn't the reason that this verse kind of like stuck in my heart this last week. The, the reason it did is because of the specific thing that Paul says when he shares this doxology in verse 20. He says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Thinking about the love of God, he says, to, to this God who is able to do more, immeasurably more than all we could ask for, uh, or, or imagine. And, and let me point out something that I think is really important to see there. That, that's not a question. Paul isn't wondering if God is able to do immeasurably more. Paul is... is this is a doxology, right? His heart is rising up in praise. He's saying, give me the microphone so I can tell you about the God who is able to do things that are beyond what you could even imagine or even ask for. And, 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 and this is the thing that, that Paul really wants us to get. It's, a, it's firstly a personal promise, right? That, that, that this is a promise for all of us wherever we are in our lives. And so like wh whatever is going on in your life or has gone on in your life, hold on to that promise. God can take the thing that's going on in your life, however low and challenging it is, and, and do more than you could even imagine, right? Is there a broken relationship in your life? Is there hurt? Are you hiding under the blanket of the shame of something that you've done? You wake up and you're not even sure how you're going to move forward, right? Like, this is, this is the promise that you need to hear. God can heal that hurt. God can reconcile that relationship. God can give you hope. He can help you climb out of a pit of debt. And he can do it in a way when we can't even imagine, when we have no idea what better even looks like. God can do more than we can see or understand in, in, in that moment. That's, that's the proclamation, the doxology, the promise that, that, that is here for every single one of us. But, but the reason that this also sticks in my head is because it's not just a personal promise. It, it's because it's also a promise to the church, right? More than you could ask or imagine is, is something that Paul says to the church. These are words that, that he says to his people gathered who are bringing his kingdom here on, on the earth. And, and, and when I step back and I think about what has transpired over the course of only one year at this place, like, oh my gosh, God has done so much more than I could have ever asked or even imagined. You know, you know, you know, you may not know this, but when I um, first got the opportunity to come here, I, I was really excited. You probably guessed that. I was excited. I was hopeful. I was, I was wanting God to do some, some pretty wonderful things, and I hoped that, that he would, but when I actually got here and got my feet on the ground and saw, like, what needed to happen, to, to, to make this work, <laughs> I, I wasn't quite as hopeful. Like, there were some major, major obstacles in place. And, um, and, and I was very worried. Actually, about third, fourth month that I was here, I, I, I remember, uh, you know, having some serious conversations with my wife and, and, um, and some brutally honest prayers before God and, um, 
and, and we had bought a house already, and I wasn't sure if, if this was going to work out. Like, th- th- that, that really happened. It's hard to imagine it now uh, at our one-year anniversary, but, but, but there were some huge obstacles, and there wasn't clear paths forward. And, and, and what happened after that was some really critical conversations, um, and, 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 and there, there was suddenly uh, an ability to, to make a plan and then to execute that plan, and, and little by little, day by day, with all kinds of enormous setbacks, like we started on the path to launch Redeemer, and... Um, and, and we did a campaign to raise the money to renovate this old facility and, and make space for people uh, th- th- that we desperately needed. We started gathering people together. You know, it was six months that I was on the ground here before one person said, I, I'm going to be a part of, of Redeemer. Like, I want to be a part of Redeemer. <laughs> I took a lot of faith to sit there for six months. <laughs> uh, and and uh, uh, did. D- I remember uh, at one of our preview services, like things were starting to, to go well, and um, and there was like 120 some people there, and I looked over at my wife Shannon, and and I and I whispered to her, "Honey, thank God I actually think we have a chance at this working, <laughs> you know." <laughs> and that was such a big moment, and 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 now like one year after we've been going, oh my gosh, has it worked? Like, like, it's hard to imagine that we had even been there because do you guys know that on Sundays now, uh, this last year, we have had just under 250 people in worship every Sunday. Um, and, and if you remember, if you've been here since January, remember that what that required, we only had one service, but four months into our life, we had to figure out how to launch and, and do a second service at the 9 a.m. service. And, and, and that, man, right there is, is plenty to celebrate. That in, in and of itself is enough to do in a single year, right? But, but man, there was so much more. As part of the, the, the efforts to reach out to our community and connect people, do you know that we've celebrated 13 baptisms and 13 different professions of faith for people who have come and said, I, I'm here and I'm committed to be a part of this and I am committed to give my life to Jesus Christ. Like that is an incredible thing. That is something to celebrate because behind every one of those numbers is a person with a story whose life has gotten to experience something good and transformative in being a part of this community. And, uh, and something else to celebrate, you know that since we started a year ago, um, we have actually uh, 71 people who have committed to be partners at this church. That, and, uh, and actually, somebody spoke to me between services, actually 71 now. Um, we, we have 71 people who have committed, committed themselves to be a part of what God's doing here, to, to grow here, to serve here, to make a difference with what for God's kingdom through the efforts that God is doing at Redeemer. And, and that 70 does not include children. Right? So, so there's a lot more people represented there. there. There are so many kids whose lives God has entrusted us to. And man, we can celebrate like, you know, mid-80s kids every Sunday. But, uh, but another thing that we ought to celebrate is the fact that we figured out how to manage 80, 80 some odd kids on a Sunday. Right? That's not an easy thing. And we had to start from scratch. And, uh, and, 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 and I just want to also celebrate you and the incredible volunteers 
volunteers and, and people who have come not just to be served but to serve who have been a part of this community because there is no way we could, we could support and serve those kids and the families that are here if you guys didn't step forward and serve. And, uh, and I also want to thank everybody that serves on our welcome team and our worship team that make sure that when people come, we've built these systems and structures so that we can do what we do on Sunday morning and that when people come, they can just have a really wonderful experience and know that there's a church that really cares and really wants what's best for them and there's people that want to be their friends here, right? And, and that makes such a big difference. Uh, I, I think we also need to serve uh, how God has helped us grow in faith together, and particularly through the small groups, what we call growth groups here. Do you know that we have 14 different growth groups that have been up and running in the last year? And, and what that means is there's 160-some-odd adults that are meeting weekly in people's homes um, to, to, to grow in friendship and faith together. And that's an incredible thing. Like, that means... Uh, that people are, are, are having a depth of relationships through faith that, that a lot of us have never experienced before and sharing their stories. And that, that is such an amazing thing. And, and you know, there are just so many other things that, that, I, that I could celebrate, things that I feel like I need to mention. We did a VBS this last year. We had a gifts camp. We did a serve camp. There are three different women's Bible studies that have happened. We have done three different exercise groups here in the evening. This fall, we launched a Mothers of Preschoolers group. Um, it's called MOPS. And, uh, and for the first time this last Wednesday since Harvey, because we've finally been able to get back into our space, they got to meet here. And so there was gobs of mothers gathering together. And, and it's just something that is so wonderful. And I'm so excited that we can do and support as a church because it does really help accomplish our mission in connecting people to a greater life in Christ. And, and, and by the way, in the middle of Harvey, we still did a build year on the student ministry that we're, gonna, that, that we're trying to start, get going this year, and that we're going to really fully launch next year. That, that, that's a big thing. We've served in our community. Do you know that we have sent out hundreds of thank you notes to teachers. We helped put on a Thanksgiving dinner. We've been making baskets for families in need. We've been stuffing backpacks for kids who don't have them. We've been having worship services at uh, homes for folks with Alzheimer's, and we've included our kids in that. We hosted this last week a mission team from uh, Falmouth, Falmouth, Kentucky, it sounds like foul mouth, but that's not what it is. It's Falmouth, F-A-L-M-O-U-T-H. And uh, Rick and his son, Zach, are here joining us this morning and really came and have done some great things. And, uh, and that happened this last week, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, there are, I'm sure, things that, that we're forgetting. But, uh, man, when you step back and, and you look at all that and say that happened in one year, I mean... I don't know about you, but don't you get a little bit of a wow? Like, doesn't your heart soar in, in what God has done here? Isn't there like a doxology that rises up in, in, in your heart and mind and thanksgiving to what God has done here? And, and I don't think we need to forget that this last year, like, one of the most significant things that happened was that our whole facility flooded and we lost it, right? We, we were displaced because of Hurricane Harvey, for seven weeks, and, and so in one year, this last year, we renovated our entire facility twice, right? Not just once, but twice. I don't ever, ever want to do that again, but what it has, 
what it has shown us in the middle of it is how faithful God is and how faithful he's been in in the middle of it. And uh, last week I shared about some of the ways that God has helped us bridge this financial gap that we had. You know, the over $125,000 it was going to take to, to, to rebuild this facility and how we've given sacrificially and God has done some incredible other things. But, you know, and, and if you missed that Sunday, I'd encourage you to listen to it, but man, because man, God has worked in some marvelous ways. But uh, what I didn't know last week is he wasn't done and I've got another story to share. Tuesday morning, I get a call from a guy named Jeff McGee and uh, I barely know Jeff. Uh, I talked to him once before I met him through a friend of a friend and talked to him on the phone, and he said uh, that he was just a, a pastor here in Houston that was connected to some churches in California that uh, that that wanted to see if there was any way that they could help. And so Tuesday morning, I get a call, and he says, hey, David, it's Jeff. Um, remember me? Guess what? I've got six pastors from California, and we're headed down to your facility right now. It's like, um, um, okay, we'll meet you there, you know, and thankfully we had staff meeting here that morning, so we were kind of here already, but uh, they came in, there was a group of about eight guys, they sat down, they wanted to hear the story of this place getting started and going and wanted to hear about the flood, so we told them the story, we walked them around the facility, and, and then they said, hey, can you give us a moment, we need, we need to talk, and so we let them talk, and they went back to those picnic tables, where we're going to eat today and talked for not long, three, four minutes max. And then uh, one of them came back in. The only person whose name I remember, his name was Brian. I'd met these guys for like 25 minutes, right? And, and they asked the whole staff to come out, and he said, David, uh, we just want to tell you how much we appreciate what God is doing through this place. And this is a small token of, of, of our appreciation. hope that you can get your feedback on you and continue to do what God's calling you to do. And he handed me a check. And so I looked at it immediately. I don't know if I was supposed to do that, but uh, <laughs> it, it was for $10,000. I, yeah, I had, I knew these guys for 25 minutes. Like, it's just incredible what God did. But he, here's the thing that's so amazing about this. This story isn't over. Um, when... <laughs> I, I mean, so we were just elated for the rest of the day. We couldn't believe what had happened at staff meeting that morning, right? And, and so I call up um, Reggie and Keith from our Pearland campus, Pastor Keith and Reggie, the church administrator, just to share how excited I am about what had just happened. And, and they were just, you know, ecstatic as well. They just so thankful that God is bridging this gap for us. And then I say, okay, Reggie, great. I'll talk to you later. He goes, hold up, David. I got one other thing. That, that we want to tell you. And so I'm like, oh, okay. He said, it's good news. I said, yeah, okay, great. What you got, you know? And he, and, and he goes, well, um, you know uh, that we haven't been sure like what Harvey's going to do to some of our plans, and we've been concerned about um, the land that we need to purchase to the west of the building. And you may not know this, but for about six months, we've been talking about how we can uh, continue to secure what God is doing in, in this church through the purchase of this land because we need some drainage and some more space if, if we're ever going to be beyond what we are right now. And so um, so he said, yeah, and, and after Harvey came, we, we weren't sure what those plans were going to be, right? We just had all this money that we had to raise that was totally unrelated and unsuspected. He goes, well, I got, I got really good news um, 
there's a family that came forward today and, uh, and said that they want to give $100,000 to the purchase of that land. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that happened Tuesday. It was a good Tuesday, right? <laughs> and what was so incredible to me about this is like, in the morning, something happened that was absolutely incredible. I had zero real connection to those people, and God moved, and I was so thankful for that. And then, like, beyond what I could have even asked for, beyond what I would have ever imagined, right, God does this, this other thing that says, like, I am for you, and I am with you, and I, uh, this is my church, and I'm going to build it, right? And so look at, look at how faithful God has been to this community in what, in what he's doing here, and, and look at how, how, how thankful we can be that in, in the first year of life that God has moved so powerfully in this place and, 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 and clearly has some incredible plans for us that we may not even be aware of yet. I've been thinking about birthday parties as we've been coming up. On, on this first birthday today. And I, um, I've been thinking about like the different people at a party, like a first birthday, a kid, right? This little guy celebrating his first birthday. That's like a cake smash, right? That's what that's called, right? So, so the kid at his first birthday, right? It's a, it's a good day for the kid. They are so excited. They get to uh, see all these people that they love. They get all these toys, and then they go play with the cardboard box, right? Uh, kids get to sit down and eat maybe for the first time sugar and more than they could even, you know, know what to do with, and, and then everybody loves it. But the kid really doesn't understand what's going on on its first birthday, right? The kid really doesn't know the significance of everything that happened to get them to that place, and, uh, <coughs> and, and that's because first birthdays aren't about the kid. I guess they're about the kid, but they're not really about the kid. Who's the people that really celebrate after one year of having a new life in the world? It's the parents. It's, it's the people that deeply love this child, the parents, the grandparents, the friends that have invested hours and late nights and, and look at that child with such tremendous love and, and have incredible plans for that child's life that the kid is totally unaware of right, that, that the kid doesn't know. And, and let me just tell you guys that when I think about this first year, I kind of think that we're, that's how it is at our birthday party, right? And, and, and I, I just have been praying and wondering, what is it, God, that you've wanted to teach us as we have seen you do so much but seen such incredible challenges all in one year? And, and, and I think it's this, like, God has plans for this place that are bigger than we could ask or even imagine, like, I think God is trying to show us how incredibly faithful he is so that in our first year, we would have a culture that would trust in God and what he's asking us to do and that we as a people would be faithful to move forward. And so here's my prayer and my challenge to this place as, as we move forward uh, this year and in so many years to come. Man, let's trust that God really is calling us to do bigger things. And we may not know what they are, Right? We, we may not totally understand that, but if we continue to remain faithful in, in making disciples of Jesus for the transformation of the world, right? I am 100% fully, convi fully convinced that the God who is doing already right now more than we could ask or imagine is going to be 100% with us in, in that journey. Amen. Amen. That is something to celebrate. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for these people.
and your call on their lives and your call on this place and this promise that, that is so big that we don't even know how to swallow it. Lord, but, but I pray that as we learn to really uh, trust and follow you, not just as individuals, but as a community, God, that, that, that we, would, um, we would have the faith to continue to, to day by day take, take those next steps that you're asking us to take and, and follow you so, so that we could see your gospel go forward and people know your love and lives transformed and your kingdom come here in Manville and Pearland and beyond as it is in heaven. We pray that in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is the point in our service where we uh, have the opportunity to give back.